0: Welcome to the Freedom Challenge Online with host and director of the Freedom Challenge, Tracy Doherty. Our mission is to do good by helping enslaved women and children, to do more than you ever thought physically possible, and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world.
1: Hello, Freedom friends and sisters. I am real thankful to have you join me today. As I open my heart to you, on a very personal and even sobering journey that I'm, I'm actually currently on. I think we can all agree that the volume of pain and loss and grief, tension and racism, sickness, judgment, finger-pointing, blaming, shaming, violence, and outrage is just amplified. I personally have been very conflicted by the multitude of voices, and to be frank, it's hard to know who to trust when the sound in the air is so dissident. Now, the Freedom Challenge has been a champion of biblical justice from its inception eight years ago, and by way of reminder, you can listen to our four-part series on biblical justice, The Theology. In the earlier episodes of the podcast. But in summary, social justice stands against and fights for the rights, whereas biblical justice walks toward the pain, toward the inequity, toward the injustice, standing with and fighting not just for the restitution and retribution, which is important but the restoration and reconciliation. And so today, I just want to set aside this time to speak to you, my friends, and to invite you to the front row of my own process on the heartbreak of the current events in our world. You know, you name it. There is racism, police brutality, social and racial caste systems that exist in America. Black Lives Matter, the movement, Black Lives Matter, because they are made in the image of God. There are peaceful protests from passionate and caring people, as well as disruptive and destructive rioting. This journey is my personal process. It is current. It is ongoing. And believe me, it is incomplete. I would explain it as messy and real. I don't come to you today to teach you something, to be a subject matter expert on anti-racism, or even a thought leader. In fact, I find myself woefully inadequate. I am, however, coming to you as an apprentice, a fellow apprentice of Jesus, and would like to just open up and share a very simple spiritual framework. That is informing my inner work in this season. And my prayer, my prayer is that it will expand my own worldview. I'm on the journey for myself. And that I can affect change where it is desperately needed. You know, this is not a formula or a step-by-step guide, please. It's not a step-by-step guide. My desire is that it instead would foster and activate you, all of our listeners, to go on your own journey, to increase your personal capacity, to have a deeper love for people, as well as gain a broader and deeper understanding of what biblical justice is. So I invite you into my journey. I invite you to listen to my own inner journey. So welcome. I have a dear friend who said something to me a few weeks ago that has stuck with me. We were walking on the beach talking about all of the things happening in our world. And she just said something that stuck with me. She said, you know, Tracy, we can't influence what we don't love. And it reinforced The power of Martin Luther King's words from the Birmingham jail in April 1963. His words were There can be no deep disappointment where there is no deep love. Friends, this is truth. We cannot influence what we do not love. Now, glimpse into my world. Most mornings you will find me sitting on my back patio. I love my back patio. It represents my meeting place with Jesus, my safe place. And I often sit for a considerable amount of time in silence. And I call this in my own life a listening prayer. It's a posture of just listening. Listening to my own thoughts, paying attention to my own feelings, and then allowing myself to hear what God might have for me in those quiet places. So on the morning of May 26th, I showed up to my spot in my backyard, heartbroken, confused, angry upon reading the brutal murder of George Floyd. And even now I get a little teary. I still have not watched
0: that video but the transcripts have left me undone. So, I sat and said, Jesus, what is your interpretation of this? Waiting for an answer, these words came to mind. Love is a renewable resource, Tracy. There is no shortage of my love available to earth. And I started to ponder, you know, biblical justice. This is what we do. Freedom challenge. And realizing that it is always motivated by the love of the Father. The kingdom of God always moves from love. Love is strong and clearly defined in our playbook, the Bible.
1: Love is actually a weapon available to us. Listen, sisters, brothers, this is so good. Love is actually a weapon available to us as Christ followers in all of our conflicts and earthly warfare. So my first stop in this journey has been digging deeper into my why. Is my why motivated by love? Or is it motivated by offense and anger and pain and retaliation by social activism? I've been reading plenty of scriptures on what biblical love looks like. And one I want to bring us back to and even invite you into, you know, some of these scriptures we can get so used to hearing that we no longer see the meaning. And so I have been reading 1 Corinthians 13. You know, this is the quintessential definition of agape, God, Bible, renewable resource of love. So I have every day... Been reading this and will continue to do so the month of June, and who knows, I may continue to do so for a really long time after. And I want to encourage you go back to some of these basic descriptions of love and allow them to speak to you in a new tone and in a new way. I'm going to read this passage in the Passion Translation. And if you might just, even as I read it, just Close your eyes and open yourself up to hearing these words in a new way and let them hit and shape your heart. Here we go. First Corinthians 13. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could even move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Yet if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor, And to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's own achievements, nor is inflated in its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love cheerfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat because it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy which eventually fades away and it is even more enduring than tongues which one day will fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial but when love's perfection arrives the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, and even reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and set aside my childish ways. For now we see for a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything. Just as everything about me has been fully understood, until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the peaceful prize for which you run. So in response to this deeper dive in 1 Corinthians 13, I have made a couple of lists in my journal that I add to every day in the month of June. One list says, love is. And the other list says, love is not. Very simple. but really causes me to interact with the text and to glean new perspectives and instruction for my own heart. And that is shaping me. Now the next step in my journey has been the word lament. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, this is not fun, and it is definitely not familiar territory, especially in the U.S., but it is biblical, my friends, and it is needed. The simplest way that I can explain lament is crying out to God, you know, prayers that are triggered by suffering. You know, it involves tears and songs and poems and art. We often see these expressions found in the Psalms. It can feel really like impolite, you know, like we're being impolite to God. It even filled with bitterness and anger and kind of disgruntled and disruptive. Pouring out our emotions without fear and letting them fall unedited on the ears of a loving and listening God who joins us in our pain is a beautiful practice and spiritual exercise. So this is where we don't pretend and we don't rush through to get through pain to find a solution. It's uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable for me. We sit still with these unanswered questions and we realize that we're actually in a process of arriving at hope. I've been entering in some of these deeper places in my own life, lamenting all sorts of pains and losses that I've been experiencing current to my life. And here's some of the ways that I am engaging and learning and practicing lament. First, first, real simple. How about you read Lamentations? When was the last time you read Lamentations? I know I asked myself that question and it's been a while. There's something about reading this distressful, disgruntled cry of a person that actually at times even makes me feel defensive for God. And even in that, I have to say, what is that, Tracy, that you can't feel comfortable To come to God with your raw and unedited emotions, do you not believe that he can handle it? You know, if you didn't know, Lamentations is written by Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and he spent the majority of his ministry in life weeping with a broken heart over the injustices in the world, over the sin of God's people. So as you read Lamentations, and I want to encourage you to do it. Enter into the tone of what a weeping servant of God looks like and join there. Another passage of scripture, Psalm 94. I love, like, how long, O oh God, will you let the wicked rule unchecked over the world? I and mean, You could just feel the cry in David's heart as he watched so many injustices unfold under his leadership. And this invitation into this real and raw place. Again, another practical exercise. Because, like, we can hear the word lament and go, I don't know how to do that. And, frankly, I've never seen anyone do it. But there was a recent OM prayer meeting in which one of the um, Operation Mobilization leaders stood up to pray by name through all of the victims, all of those who have lost their lives through unjust and unnecessary police brutality. And even a twinge in my heart came when she began to name the victimizers, to name those who had been a part of that horrendous, activity and horrendous murder so she she read these names in a prayerful tone but what I find is when we use names and we connect to the story it doesn't allow us to dehumanize or insulate ourselves from distress and details and I encourage you to make sure that as you're processing, as this is, again, this is this is a difficult journey at times, this lamenting, it's uncharted territory, that you say the names of the humans that lost their life and you ponder in prayer the impact of those injustices on those that are connected to those people, as well as saying the names of those who inflicted pain With a heart that represents, I know this was a challenge for me. It's kind of like praying for the, um, you know, the traffickers. That's what we often are talking about, human traffickers. But when we pray for enemies and despitefully use us or we say their names and we lament, it really does connect us to the human condition, which connects us to that honest place with God. Now, this next part of my journey, man, this is where it really, really starts hitting the hidden places in my heart. And this word is just simply the word listening. Man, listening. (laughs) James 119. I've probably been memorizing this since I was a little girl. I am pretty certain that this was my first memory verse, understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must all be quick to what listen slow to what speak and slow to get angry human anger does not produce the righteousness god desires and notice it says human anger so this is not asking us to have no anger it's saying human anger does not produce The righteousness of God. So, this next word, you know, we're talking about loving, we're talking about um, lamenting and now listening, but this next word is quite the challenge. You know, um, I began to ask myself over the last month, you know, why is it that I find just a twinge of defensiveness or even a feeling of being judged? When I hear stories of racism or words like white privilege or parroting political propaganda, why is it that I have this instinct to correct what I hear or say my piece dogmatically, defending my perceived rightness? Uh, as a part of this journey, I am calling myself up to be more curious and less rigid in my mindset. I'm taking personal responsibility for self-control and restraint to just listen. I received a loving rebuke from a dear friend on a walk last week. I was talking about this very thing, listening without judgment or defense. I shared with her a conversation I had earlier that week. This person said to me, You know, we've all been unjustly treated, and we need to just get over it and stop playing the victim card. This person went on to speak about the prejudice they had experienced because of race and belief as a young person. I continued self-righteously touting on about how insensitive this person was, and believe me, I was using scripture to frame the disdain in my case against this person's insensitivity. While we continue to walk, my friend gently said to me, you know, we don't want to do the thing we are actually accusing others of doing. Ouch, stopping me in my tracks. She went on to say, perhaps, you know, this is a good starting point for each of us on our journeys, and it's to identify our own unprocessed pain. Tracy, maybe there's a different way to see this. We have to reflect on what it feels like to be unseen or have painful experiences minimized. Maybe it's the starting place for listening. Listening first to our own stories of disempowerment. Then she gave me the grand finale, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. And my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Now, as I reflect on this conversation and I step back from it, I can say that I am gaining a greater understanding. I believe that feeling felt or heard actually heals us. It's empathy. When we listen and we actually honor our own painful stories, knowing that we have been heard and loved by a father, it just creates this healed capacity to hold the story of another, to authentically bear witness to their experience without judgment and with greater compassion. Back to. Listen. God is listening to my story without judgment or correction. He's actually bending down to listen. He's not shaming. He's not minimizing. He's not correcting my felt experience. My prayer is that he teaches me to be a better listener because I realize how well he has listened to my cry. So next up. Unlearn. I found this quote the other day. It says, The new illiterate will not be those who can't read and write, but those who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. Whoa. Like, we just need to stop and think about that. You know, it's hard to unlearn something. What's that quote? You can't teach an old dog new tricks you know we hear a lot about this growth mindset versus fixed mindset and you know a growth mindset you know causes us to have this openness this i can change this ability to have a new perspective and just a few months ago i recall and i'm chuckling now at lecturing my youngest son on a fixed mindset versus a growth versus a growth mindset And, um, you know, here I am, his mother, faced once again with the opportunity to be uncomfortable in this process of unlearning. So, like, buckle up, Tracy. Here we go. I want to share with you a video, just, you know, summarizing a video I saw that was quite impactful. We'll actually put it in the show notes. But it really captures the process of unlearning or actually shifting a perspective. So a man stood on the stage and he had a blue piece of paper and he asked the audience, you know, what color is this? The audience responded with, it's blue, because it was blue. And that is what we, on the other side of the screen or the other side of the audience, saw. And there was a group behind him and he asked the same question, what color is this? And that side of the room said, it's orange, because it is orange. And both sides firmly stood to their truth. So there's conflict here. Then he turns the blue paper around and he reveals to the audience that it was actually orange on the other side. And he goes on to describe that the position in which we are seated in life shifts our perspective. The group on the one side was not budging. It was blue. And the group on the other side was not budging. It was orange. So... What does that mean for us? It means that if we are going to unlearn, we're going to have to move ourselves into another position to hear the life of another from their perspective with understanding is actually the starting place to unlearn. And friends, as Christ followers on a journey to go deeper into biblical justice, we will be required, I am required, to be in an uncomfortable amount of unlearning, perspective shifting, and seat changing. This is hard and humble work, but yet it is so necessary. Then we move into the learning, the next word, learn. You know, being a lifelong learner, it's a good thing. You know, it's not a good thing. It's not impressive to be known as the know-it-all. I'm asking this question. Why is this country and world so racially divided? This is a good question. I know that for me, it will take some learning. And we really won't learn without some investment. And if our learning is only coming from the news and tweets and Instagram, and please hear me, I'm not saying that there's not value in those things. We are very limited in how we are learning. And you know, some of the learning has disturbed me. I I recently watched a video series. It's called, it's a book by Jamar Tisby. It's called The Color of Compromise. There's Um, a book and a video series. You can easily access them. Great man. He's a black, young historian who really lays out the complicity of the church in racism from the early founding of the U.S. through current times. And I got to tell you, as I have invested my time into that resource, to this unlearning and learning, it has had me pausing, weeping, questioning, All healthy responses to new learning. Another book that I'm reading and I would highly recommend is Miles McPherson, a local pastor here in San Diego called The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. There are so many good resources and, you know, they're easily at your fingertips. And I want to encourage all of us to lean into the learning. So here's another good exercise something that I have been doing over the last month and I invite you into this process simply it is thinking about who are you learning from it can be really easy to have an unintentional bias i mean we don't we're not thinking about it we're not thinking about where we're getting information from or if we have proximity to others with varying backgrounds to teach us and to inspire us. But, you know, here's a practical exercise that you could do. Um, Perhaps you would look at your bookshelf, your Kindle, your Audible, and see if there are any authors that are either people of color or different backgrounds or cultures. You can look at your podcast. Do you follow anyone that's different than you? Your music, the same thing. Are you following and appreciating music from different cultures and finding an expansion in those places? And finally, friendships. You know, do you have a deep and meaningful, and I'm talking about an iron sharpens iron friendship with a person from another country, with a person of color, with a person of a different culture? If the answer to those things are no or hardly at all, may I present to you that that is just a starting point for you to gently ask yourself why. Why? It could be a very enriching and joyful journey, a good starting point for you to expand your Ability to be influenced by all the beautiful reflections of the image of God in the world. And again, I just want to be really careful. I'm not talking about tokenizing a person of color, about trying to showcase that you are a good and virtuous person. I'm talking about really digging in and opening up and learning a new way forward. The final piece of this is leaning in. You know, this is a picture of engagement. It's a picture of participating, of doing, of activism, of being a part of the solution. And again, it's intentional for it to be at the end because this good inner work although i might find myself you know leaning in lamenting learning unlearning all of these things in different non-linear ways it is important for us to allow some of this inner work to happen in us to call us into a deeper picture of biblical justice before we just jump into the doing we are as christ followers called to affirm the dignity that already exists in every human being significant and valuable because man and women are made in the image of God so how do we lean in? I mean this is the question especially for us with freedom challenge you know we're all about um, justice and freedom so how do we lean in? I am meditating on this scripture, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. So here is the truth. There is no racism in the kingdom. In the now or the not yet. The eternity, world without end. There is no prejudice or bias or elitism or partiality in the kingdom. The kingdom looks more like an international family. You know, this is God's vision. Here is a heavenly glimpse of what he says is beautiful. You know, Revelation 7, 9 says, I love this verse. After this, this is John speaking, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language, Standing in front of the throne, feel this before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. This is the beautiful picture of the kingdom that God envisions. I also love Re- Revelation 22 2. And this scripture really just shows us that there is a need for the healing of the nations because of racism, and the things that are, you know, in our lap currently. And it reads like this. It flowed down the center of the main street. It's, it's speaking of the river of life. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a crop each month, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. God knows that this little world that we live upon needs to be healed. Here is a beautiful picture of biblical justice as seen through Jesus. And the wonderful thing that we are invited into is that we can partner with him now. The kingdom of God established now. Ephesians 2 verse 14. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew, one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Verse 15, ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body. The legal code that stood condemning each one of us has been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming a new race of humanity. Jews and non Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion. Hatred has died, for the Messiah has come to preach the sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now because we are united in Christ, we both have equal and direct access. Do you hear that? We both have equal and direct access to the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones. With all the rights as family members in the household of God, you are rising like the perfectly fit stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets and the best of all. You are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. I, my friends, am leaning into biblical justice that looks like this. And I want to invite you to lean in with me in this. The Freedom Challenge is committed to embracing grace-based inclusivity that is motivated by the renewable resource of love, that is purified by the process of our own lament, that is listening and compassionate because we know we have been listened to, that is unlearning and changing perspectives and seeking to understand, that is learning from a place of humility and leaning into championing biblical justice both now and the not yet. My prayer for the Freedom Challenge is that we continue to be a voice for the voiceless, that we deepen our understanding of biblical justice and we do it together, and that we don't just exhibit this passion of a paper fire, but a productive, cleansing fire that purifies us and then influences change. Thank you for joining me here today and letting me share my very personal journey with you. I pray there are nuggets that inspire you, that nourish you on your journey deeper into the heart of biblical justice. And until next time, let's continue to do good, to do more, and to do it together. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge Online. Brought to you by the Freedom Challenge, a ministry of Operation Mobilization USA. For more information about what we do and how you can partner with us, check out our website, thefreedomchallenge.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at the